Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. You know, we've done plenty of episodes that talk about book reviews and go through various things. But on this episode here, I'm going to share an article which is from the September-October 2005 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, written by Heather K. Calloway, Director of Internships and Coordination of Library Museum Services, Supreme Council, 33rd Degree. The title of the article is A Lazy Man's Guide to Masonic Enlightenment. So before I even get into the article, I do have to share it. Tonight we had a Zoom meeting with several brethren, and we talked with a prospect a little bit about what everybody you know gets out of Masonry or what brought you into Masonry. And the esoteric side is very prevalent for several of our members. So uh, it was kind of funny to to see this article here about a lazy man's guide to Masonic enlightenment when we just talked about enlightenment and esoteric versus just the fellowship and the community side. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and get into the article by Heather K. Calloway. True Masonic bibliophiles, like the Knights of the Round Table, are ever searching for the Holy Grail that one great addition to crown their personal library. For some, it may be a rare handwritten manuscript, a unique ritual, or a first edition of Jeremy Cross's The True Masonic Chart or Hieroglyphic Monitor written in 1819, the first illustrated American monitor. If you're like most Masons, however, you just want to know what book to read when there isn't anything good on TV or when the wife's at the mall. While rare Masonic books may be an asset to your personal library, a collection of reference works is much more practical. Many readers predictably start with books on Masonic history. Caveat emptor, or let the buyer beware. This might not be the place for you. One can only read so much about operative and speculative Masons, old charges and constitutions, and the crusading knights of yore before their charm fades. Are you interested in philosophy and symbolism? If so, start there. You might then wander into studies on ritual and degree work, which may lead you down the bypaths of Masonic exposés, controversies, and even (gasps) anti-Masonic literature. And a quick plug, we've done several episodes on anti-Masonic literature on this podcast. If you're an attorney or aspire to become Grand Master, Don't overlook books on Masonic jurisprudence, a topic I find about as interesting as reading the ingredients on a bottle of shampoo. There are so many subjects that I can only mention a few of the must-haves for your reference shelf, all of which have been reviewed from the House of the Temple Library. You can begin by reading wherever you choose, but the important thing is to begin. Section 1, Encyclopedias. 
Perhaps the single most valuable item is a good Masonic encyclopedia. Some are better than others. Although it is inexpensive and has several good articles, I would recommend A.E. Waits' Garugulus, a new encyclopedia of Freemasonry, written in 1921. Its material is so disorganized, it is nearly impossible even for scholars to use. The easiest to read is Albert G. Mackey's celebrated An Encyclopedia of Freemasonry and Its Kindred Sciences, written in 1874, simply known as Mackey's Encyclopedia. It is the most popular and successful work in this genre, though not the most accurate. The work collates almost every conceivable topic directly or indirectly related to masonry, and in doing so, addresses many with only a peripheral connection. It began as a small dictionary, Lexicon of Freemasonry in 1845, and grew by leaps and bounds. When quoting Mackey, make sure you're actually citing his words from the original one-volume edition, because the expanded two- and three-volume sets include much material by revisers Charles T. McLennaclin and Robert I. Clegg. The most modern Masonic encyclopedia is Coyle's Masonic Encyclopedia, written in 1961. A second edition appeared in 1966, but it failed to meet the standard of the first edition. Great claims have been made respecting the accuracy of this book, and it is indeed probably the most accurate English-language Masonic encyclopedia in print, but it is not error-free. For example, Coyle says that the Masonic symbol of the letter G within the square and compasses was originally a jeweler's design and dates from the 1850s. However, Masonic historian Arturo de Hoyos, 33rd degree, has noted that the symbol appears in the past master's degree as published by William Finch about 1800, and republished by William Carlyle in his Manual of Freemasonry in 1825. The Hoyos has noted that about 100 such errors and omissions were not corrected in the 1996 revision. Another type of encyclopedia is William R. Denslow's four-volume set, 10,000 Famous Freemasons, written in 1957. It provides brief biographical information and Masonic affiliations for famous personalities. Sadly, it is incomplete and has never been updated, but the retrospective information is invaluable. Section 2, Ritual and Ceremonial. The most widely owned and cherished type of book a Freemason possesses is a Masonic Monitor. New Master Masons are traditionally given their own copy because it aids in the memorization of degree work. The first American version was Thomas Smith Webb's The Freemason's Monitor or Illustrations of Freemasonry in Two Parts written in 1797. Although this monitor set the standard, most of the 51 American Grand Lodges have subsequently issued their own versions, and collecting them can be a great hobby. And just as a point of note, I only have two myself. I have the Texas one, and I have the California one. Back to the article. If you are interested in Masonic ritual in general, the annual volumes of Collectania are the best source. This is privately printed each year by the Grand College of Rites of the United States of America, which meets during the Masonic Week in Washington, D.C. The purpose of this group is to preserve the history and rituals of defunct and inactive Masonic orders. 
Get your hands on these little volumes and you'll be able to read the rituals of the rites of Memphis, Mizraim, the free and accepted architects Martinism, and more. The modern Voltaire, that notorious philosopher Rex R. Hutchins, has written some of the best-known Masonic books to date. I recommend his A Bridge to Light, written in 1995, covering the Scottish Rite degrees. Most Masons can't fathom Albert Pike's morals and dogma in 1871, so Bridge to Light was offered as an easy reading introduction. Arturo de Hoyos has recently completed Symbolism of the Blue Degrees of Freemasonry, Albert Pike's Esoterica, 2005, a first-ever printing of a little-known Albert Pike manuscript. Section 3, Historical and Biographical. Ars Quatur Coronatorum, now in its 117th publication year, is one of the most important sources of Masonic history in English. Its weakness for Americans, however, is that the Anglo-centric Margaret C. Jacobs scholarly living the Enlightenment, Freemasonry and politics in 18th century Europe, written in 1992, and her The Radical Enlightenment, Pantheists, Freemasons, and Republicans, written in 1981, cover early European Freemasonry. For early American Masonic history, see Stephen C. Bullock's Revolutionary Brotherhood, Freemasonry, and the Transformation of the American Social Order, 1730-1840, which was written in 1996. It underscores the importance of the fraternity in the early republic. Ronald A. Heaton's Masonic Membership of the Founding Fathers, written in 1965, was most recently updated in 1997 and provides interesting facts about the Founding Fathers. There are countless accounts written of the appendant bodies of Freemasonry. Earlier histories of the Scottish Rite include Charles Lobinger's The Supreme Council 33rd Degree, written in 1931, which covers the southern jurisdiction, while History of the Supreme Council 33rd Degree, written in 1938, was compiled by Samuel Harrison Baynard, Jr., and covers the northern Masonic jurisdiction. William L. Fox's labor-intensive Lodge of the Double-Headed Eagle, 1997, covers more recent history of the Scottish Rite, Southern Jurisdiction. For York Rite history, you must be careful to check your sources, or you'll find yourself in the midst of Dan Brown-like fiction. For solid, detailed histories, see Turnbull and Denslow's three-volume History of the Royal Arch Masonry, written in 1956, and Hinman, Denslow, and Hunt's History of the Cryptic Rite, written in 1931. The history and lore of the Knights Templar has influenced and encouraged numerous legends. Peter Partner's The Knights Templar and Their Myth, written in 1990, covers early history, while J. M. Upton Ward's The Rule of the Templars, written in 1997, lists the regulations of the monastic and military order. Sadly, an authentic history of the Masonic Knights Templar does not yet exist, and books by the likes of Knight and Lomas and Bajant, Lay and Lincoln, parade as Masonic history, but are actually fictional entertainment. Sometimes, young Freemasons wonder whether all the famous Freemasons are really dead. Not so. We can look forward to biographies of Bob Dole, Michael Richards, and others. While a great deal of time is spent honoring brethren past, some of the honorable deceased, yes, I mean dead guys, really do warrant attention with captivating life stories. Biographies about Washington, Mozart, and Truman can be quite fascinating. 
Want a suggestion? You might wish to check out Brother Truman, written in 1985 by Alan E. Roberts. The next section is called Exposés and Anti-Masonry. Did you know that America was thrown into political and social upheaval because of a Masonic expose? Yes, it's true. It might surprise the new Mason to discover that his beloved rituals have been written down countless times and sold for profit. But in fact, Masonic controversy and excitement swept America from 1826 to 1842 during the so-called Morgan Affair. If you would like to read the book that began it all, find a copy of William Morgan's infamous expose, Illustrations of Masonry by One of the Fraternity, written in 1826. Reprints are readily available. The best-selling English-language book on the anti-Masonic problem is Is It True What They Say About Freemasonry? written in 2004 by Arturo de Hoyos and S. Brent Morris. The Hoyos and Morris are known for their humorous approach. I suggest you read Leo Taxil's hoax for a chuckle. On a quite serious topic, the long-standing attack on Freemasonry, Another anti-Masonic book you might peruse is The Anti-Masonic Party in the United States, 1826-1843, written in 1983, by William Preston Vaughn. The next section is Illustrated Tomes. If you like Masonic ephemera or collectibles, the illustrated books authored by those affiliated with Masonic museums are excellent resources. The National Heritage Museum in Lexington, Massachusetts, has several publications with colorful works on Masonic memorabilia. Bespangled, painted, and embroidered, Decorated Masonic Aprons in America, 1790-1850, written in 1980, and Fraternally Yours, written in 1986, by Barbara Franco, showcase early textiles, regalia, and the symbols depicted on them. Material Culture of the American Freemasons, written in 1994 by John D. Hamilton, highlights Masonic artifacts. The current curator of the museum's fraternal collection is Mark A. Tabert, who just published American Freemasons, Three Centuries of Building Communities, in 2005. It is extensively illustrated with images from Masonic libraries and museums from around the world and includes a history on the development, expansion, and current state of masonry in America. And again, as a side note, this article was written 15 years ago in 2005. And the next section is Reference and Beyond. There are other Masonic books you might not even think of that are superb as a reference. At the top of the list is the yearly publication, List of Lodges, Masonic. Don't let this little publication size deceive you. It may look small, but it is a comprehensive directory of Masonic grand and constituent lodges worldwide. You may not sit down and read this, but if you ask your grand secretary what Masonic book is most useful to him, he'll likely reply, The Pantograph. This is the publisher's name, which is slang for the book. Entire bibliographies could be written on suggested resources for a little Masonic library. I've only touched on a few items you might enjoy. It actually depends on your preference on the subject matter. There are excellent bygone periodicals, such as The Builder, which is written in 1915 to 1930. Perhaps you might enjoy one of my dad's favorite books, The Lion's Paw, written in 1994 by Carl H. Claudie, or some of Claudie's other narrative accounts, Old Tyler Talks, 1925, Old Past Master, 1924, or Masonic Harvest, 1948, which all use Masonic teachings in creative ways. 
personal accounts of joining the craft include the frequently recommended A Pilgrim's Path, 1993, by John J. Robinson. The Library of the Supreme Council 33rd Degree at the House of the Temple is a national treasure, but it may be too far away for you to visit. However, your local Masonic Library is waiting for you to get out of your recliner and open its doors. Masonic librarians are happy to assist in your research. Despite stereotypical notions about librarians, we are not all sweater and glasses wearing bookworms who tell you, be quiet. Rather, we're here to make your reading experience a pleasure. Do a librarian a favor. The more books you use, the less we have to dust. By the way, there are less than 20 known copies of the 119 originally printed The Constitution of Freemasons, written in 1734, by Benjamin Franklin. This was the first printed Masonic book in America, and was also the first songbook in America. Are there elusive copies waiting to be discovered? This is my holy grail. It might be in an attic, a basement, a garage, or even a secret vault, but there's no doubt that there's another one out there. Find it, and when you do, just remember that my birthday is January 10th. Happy reading, Heather K. Calloway. So, brethren and guests, in the notes, I will put links to as many of these books as I can find so that you can click on the link and find uh, out where to purchase that book yourself if you're interested. And, of course, the Solomon Staircase Library is pretty expansive. We probably have a lot of these books. So if you're in the area on a Thursday night, of course, when the pandemic is over and we're actually able to meet in person, swing on by, meet with us, check out the library, meet the brethren, have a wonderful evening, and enjoy. So with that, I'm going to call it an evening, and we're going to call this an episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Stick around for more. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.